Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. And today's episode is going to focus on one topic strand that is from the National Sexuality Education Standards of Consent and Healthy Relationships. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, this podcast is about puberty. The reality is this podcast is about puberty, those physical changes, yet it's also about those social, mental, and emotional changes. And to support the standards of what we do in the classroom, We're going to focus on healthy relationships today, particularly relationships dealing with friends. To help me out, I have been connected with this really neat person. She wrote this book. So she's an author. Her name is Jessica Spear. She's author of BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships. And she's a mom of two teens. So Before I continue with asking your questions or anything, Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. Would you mind introducing, like saying hi to our audience and then introducing a little bit about who you are and your background? Yes, and thanks so much for having me, Lori. I'm Jessica Spear, and I, as you mentioned, I'm a mom of two. I I write books for preteens and teens, and I love, I love really cracking open relationships and exploring and studying them and figuring out how we can really connect and thrive as individuals. Um, So yeah, so my my book, BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships, released this past summer and really dives into the dynamics of healthy friendships for a preteen audience. Why did you decide to write your book, Jessica, this BFF, which is Best Friends Forever, right? And then NRF. RF, not really friends. Why did Mm -hmm. you decide to write this book? You know, and I didn't actually start on the path of writing a book. It just started with when my daughters were in elementary school, I started to notice this shift in their relationships. Things started to get more complicated. Things, we were having a harder time navigating some of the, the struggles that they were coming across. And it got me really curious. It reminded me of my own struggles at that age. I'm like, oh yes, this is so familiar. I remember this. And so I, I love research. So I dove into to a lot of research written for adults, you know, on this topic. Um, and there is so much, we are so lucky to live in an age where there is so much um, available, but what is that all about? So I dove in and found some wonderful books for adults and then also some great books for a kid's audience. But I realized in that um, journey, there were things that I felt would be really helpful for kids to know. Um, so I started a friendship program for Actually, I had boys and girls at the elementary school level. Most of them were third to sixth grade um, and started running these friendship programs to you know, test out some of these ideas. Um, is it helpful if we you know, start to educate kids in these things as they are navigating some of these social struggles? And you know, fast forward eight years and it grew into a book. So, yeah, that's the long, long answer to your question. So I think it's interesting because we have in the schools, we have social and emotional learning competencies that the schools are like, oh, we need to do this. And in the field of health education, we've been doing this for a long time, yet 
others have finally recognized we need to teach these social skills because to me, there's so much modeled in the media that's negative. And when we tell children, be nice, they have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. They don't know. So according to your research, why are friendships and social struggles so common in the preteen and teen years? You know, and I've started to call this whole phase you know, a big slow shift that happens at different stages for every kid, of course, which also adds to the complexity of this. So when in our toddler and our early elementary years, friendships are really formed based on play you know, who are we playing with and proximity. So who's in your class or who's your neighbor? So, you know, they're, you know, it's a training ground, of course, to learn how to play well with others. And, and but then this shift starts to happen. Um, and for girls, it happens a little bit sooner, which is why I focused this book on girls. The, the majority of, of kids in my program were girls because they hit this bump sooner of just given puberty. But the shift starts to happen where it's not so much about play and proximity. And they start to look for different things in friendship. So they're starting to explore their own identities, like who am I and who are my friends and what kind of friend am I and what, you know, what kind of friend do I want to be? They're exploring their identities. Their emotions are bigger, you know, because they're going through so much physical, you know, social, emotional changes because of puberty. And they're starting that shift of pulling away from their parents. So the friendships carry more weight, you know, that very healthy developmental stage where they're starting to individuate, they're starting to, you know, be themselves. Um, which means these friendships actually mean more. You know, it's a lot more than just play. And so that starts for girls, you know, usually it's mid to late elementary kind of really, really picks up speed in middle school for boys just a little bit later. So they get to join you know, all this too. But yeah, so it's, 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 it makes sense, you know, why these struggles there, that's a big shift for them, you know, going from play to, you know, who am I and who are my friends and how do I behave in friendships and how do I be a good friend and what am I looking for in friend? That's a big, that's a big shift. So, so therein lies, you know, the, the big changes that we see kids experiencing in this phase. To me, that makes sense because you're right. As children, whoever's around, they can play. And I've seen children just meet one another and start trying to play, you know, with whatever toy is there or whatever object is there. And then as children develop, they realize that they're separate. They're these independent beings, but they're in a community. So they have to figure out their identity in which you note in your book, you know, as they continue to figure out their identity, they're also dealing with these social aspects of friendships and there are certain truths with friendships. Would you mind sharing some of these truths with us? Sure. And this is what a big part of the program, because I felt like, you know, when I talk about these with kids in the program, I'd see this sigh of relief, like, Oh, thank goodness. You know, it's not just me. So a lot of the program I ran and the book is about validation. So friendship truth number three is friendships have different phases and change over time. So that helped you know, kids to know that, oh, Okay, so I used to be really good friends with this person, but, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, they're way into video games and I'm into this and we kind of just don't really connect anymore. And that's okay. You know, so so it, it just kind of know, we know as adults to be true that, you know, friendships do have phases and change over time. And, and my hope there is to help kids avoid the stories that there's something wrong with me or, you know, there's something wrong with them. And to realize your friendships do have sins, especially during this phase of life, you know, where, where kids are really exploring um, their identities. Yeah, so that's one. 
Okay, so this one is friendship truth number two is everyone friendship skills at a different pace. So, you know, we think about friendship, it's filled with so many different skills. You know, it's really a complicated thing. So, so we have to be able to communicate well, we have to be trustworthy, we have to be flexible, you know, we, we have to be honest. You know, so there's there's a lot of skills that go into this, and we all have strengths and weaknesses in that area. So, you know, just kind of you know, this this positions friendship in more of a growth mindset that we, you know, can learn these skills over time, we'll get better at them with practice, and then that gives some wiggle room to other people as well to know that, okay, nobody's perfect. We're all kind of doing the best we can with the skills that we've got. I love how you interjected growth mindset, because that's true. It's to me, relationships help us figure out who we are and it's not going to be perfect. So if we can look at it as if we make a mistake, how can we grow from this? And instead of saying the friendship's over, how can we resolve it? How can we learn from the conflict? Because Sometimes conflict does bring us closer if we utilize it in a positive and a growth mindset. Yeah. And I know I had noted you have this chapter that I resonated with right away because I think it's important for young people. And it's the chapter, oops, I wish I hadn't said that. Mm-hmm. And can I ask you, Jessica, what do you recommend young people do to handle saying things that maybe were poorly stated or maybe they were said, was said too quickly? You know, we should have paused. What do you recommend for young people? You know, and, and part of this is just the awareness of, you know, the meaning of some words and how some things come across. And I found kids, once they hear this explanation, they so get this. So what I used to do in my programs, you know, is say, okay, what would you rather have said to you? Would you rather have said to you that um, you never share? I'm not going to be your friend anymore. So, you know, we get into a threat and a you statement or uh, it's I feel frustrated when you don't, you know, share with me. I'd like to have a turn. So, you know, just, and of course it'd be unanimous. They'd raise their hand. I I want B said to me, I don't, I don't want A, but they hear A all the time. You know, how, you know, we just, how, how common is that? I don't want to be your friend anymore, or I'm not going to invite you. Or I, you know, so, so using kind of threats and blame is a really common way that kids communicate because they haven't learned something else yet. So kind of showing some other ways to communicate, talking to them about, you know, often, you know, we, something happens and we have a big reaction. And when we're kind of having that big reaction, maybe it's sadness or anger or fear. Our mind is so busy that sometimes we, we might say or do something that actually is, you know, not our best choice there. So also helping them learn that we might need to take a break and settle ourselves down before we, know, we respond to that. And that's okay too. You know, to say, hey, time out, I just need to, you know, take a break and think about, you know, this. And so we, you know, it's even as an adult, it's hard to know sometimes in a really tough moment how to respond. So giving kids permission to, you know, to, to calm themselves down, to, to talk to somebody, to, you know, do what they need to do to calm down so they feel more comfortable finding the right words instead of feeling like they have to react to every single thing in that moment. Because who can do that? That's That's really hard. Right. For those of you that know the health education standards out there, the National Health Education Standards, number four deals with utilizing effective communication skills. So I love, Jessica, that you keep on referring to this, how do we speak? Instead of you statements, using I statements, pausing beforehand, stating a feeling, I feel sad. So that's wonderful. You'd be a great health educator, just to let you know. (laughs) Well, I have to ask you, and you have the right to pass on this question. 
what do you remember from your own past and being at that stage of that elementary preteen teen time and your friendships? You know what I, and I have such clear memories and I think so many adults do. Um, And the reason, part of the reason we have such clear memories is because, you know, during the whole phase of adolescence, puberty, we we are kind of in a heightened emotional state. And whenever things happen and we're in a heightened emotional state, it creates deeper memories for us. You know, so it makes sense that all of us have pretty clear memories of, you know, the, both the highs and the, the lows of this phase. And what I remember is, in middle school, seventh grade, some shedding of friendships um, and not done in the very best way because I didn't have the skills to do that. Um, and so I think that's really common. So in there was this amazing study done at UCLA where they followed 6,000 sixth graders through middle school and they tracked their friendships. And in you know the first year of middle school, two thirds of them changed friendships. So again, we're back to that, that big slow shift that we talked about earlier that really happens in middle school, but it's hard to navigate and change friendship changes. Even as adults, we know that. And so I remember not handling that well, knowing I wanted to exit relationships, but not having the skills to do that gracefully. So I definitely go into that in the book. Like, you know, there's ways to exit relationships in a way, you know, that is, that is, gentle and kind, um, you know, that, so that, and that's a tough skill, even as adults, isn't it? Um, you know, when it's time to, when it's time to leave a relationship and, and there's no one right way, you know, so what I talk about in the book is, you know, for kids, it's so helpful to list some options. So, so you know that this is not a good fit anymore. This friendship is not a good fit. List your options. You know, you could do A, you could do B, you could do C, you know, and think about which one feels right. Cause then we're empowering kids to really think through choices and to to have the confidence to pick one that feels right to them. And what a wonderful lifelong skill that is, isn't it? You know, to really think through how do I want to handle this in, in, you know, the way that shows my best self. And that's another health education standard. It's on making effective decisions, you know, going through the decision-making process. So thank you, Jessica, again, <laughs> for supporting uh, the health education standards here. And I also remember the, It is weird in middle school, especially, or if they call it junior high, it's this transition, like you had said earlier, if your friends have other interests, because my best friend from elementary school, she was very athletic and I was not. She was very good, it seemed like, at team sports. I'm more of an individual sport person. And so she had to go to school in the morning session because they had a split. There were so many students and I went in the afternoon. And I struggled as a seventh grader because I wasn't connecting with my peers. I wasn't, and I couldn't see my friend. She was so busy. So eventually I did find people and then just kept up with them, luckily in high school. And then you also made me think of this whole thing of when you're at the end of a relationship, that's a skill set. How do you gracefully say, perhaps we can keep in touch or what do we do? Not just, do we just like not text people anymore? It's kind of like a breakup. How do you... Kindfully break up with someone. Kind, kindly. How do you how do you break up with someone in a nice manner? Yeah, 
important in setting, you know, sometimes we have to set some boundaries and that, so that talk about a healthy life lesson is if we need to put a boundary somewhere, how do we put a boundary in a way that, you know, makes sure that we're treating that person with dignity, but also ourselves, you know, we, we're recognizing a need that we have. So, you know, it, it's a complicated skill. So no surprise that this gets messy and this gets messed up, but we even learn, we learn from the mess ups, you know, so we mess mm-hmm. that up and that doesn't go well. We're like, okay, if that happens again, I'm going to, you know, maybe try this differently. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a learning process and such an important one, you know, it's, it's a, such an important learning process. So, you know, when I'm talking to parents, I remind them that, you know, this is a big learning process and it's not always comfortable, you know, and, and the best thing they can, that parents can do is help with emotion coaching, you know, help kids, you know, think through their choices with them taking the lead, of course, you know, but not getting in. In the the you know the details of the conflict, like of course, let your kid really talk about that and you know talk about the conflicts because they'll get clarity just by putting to words what they're experiencing. They'll start start to get some clarity. So you know, doing some real deep listening, but then helping them process those emotions, helping them you know start to think about how they would like to respond to this. Um, you know, one thing that I I I see happen a lot, and I even did this myself. That if I had to do over, I would. Do do this differently is, you know, help helping kids know um, that, you know, this, these changes are okay. You know, like, so back to those truths that these changes are okay and mistakes happen. And you mentioned earlier with your friendship stories that one of the truths is, you know, close friendships can be hard to find and they might not happen till middle school or later. Because what I see is, you know, during this big shift, there's periods where, kids might feel like they don't know exactly where they fit. And that can feel terrible because never in our lives do we want to fit in more than that phase of life, right? However, that is the phase of life where it's really likely that there's going to be a period that you don't actually know where you fit and you're trying to figure that out. But that can feel like a really vulnerable time. But by making that a friendship truth, that friend, close friends are hard to find, making that a truth, I'm, I'm just kind of normalizing that. That I've seen that happen more often than not. Occasionally, there's a you know, group of kids that actually maintain friendships from elementary all the way through high school. But what I see a lot, lot more is tons of transitions, you know, that there's groups change, friendships change, you know, and so that's the norm. Um, So by normalizing that, you know, letting kids know that it's okay. And if you, if it takes a while to find your right fit, that's, it's not fun, but you will, you know, you'll, you'll find that right fit. And I know for, you know, my daughters, it took a while, but once they found that fit, oh, it's, it's perfect. It's great. It's not perfect, but it's like, oh, there they are. There's the people mm-hmm. I've been looking for over these years, you know, and, and it took some trial and error, but they they found that over time. And that's worth it. I mean, you want to ensure that you have the, the closest people to you. There's kindness that you, you're connected. It's that you're able to communicate effectively. So Jessica, how can a caregiver start conversations on this topic? So when when kids hit their preteens and teens, they're really highly attuned to our reactions to things. Um, So I think one thing that's so helpful is if they know that if they share something with us, that we're not going to have a reaction and go down our very own emotional roller coaster. So for parents it's and, and caregivers and you know, teachers, it's really important to stay grounded. So they know that they can share with you and then they don't actually have to worry about your reaction too. you know? So, so, you know, you're just staying really grounded 
you know, listening, helping them, you know, navigate those big emotions because, you know, things hurt. So if you feel like you're not being included, or if you feel like, you know, you don't have a BFF and everybody else does, or you and your friend are constantly, you know, in conflict, that is, there's some big emotions there. So, you know, caregivers can be emotional coaches and they can help kids start to, you know, realize their choices and all these things. Well, you know, ask them great questions like, what are you looking for in friendships? Or, or, you know, what, what qualities do you really, would you like in a friendship. And so starting to ask those questions will help kids start to think about, huh, okay, what do I want out of a friendship? And how am I behaving in these friendships? So, you know, kind of helping them as they explore these relationships and as they explore their own identities, you know, how do they want to be? Excellent. Now, do you have any other comments or thoughts that you want to share with our audience members? Let's see. Oh, good question. Um, you know, as, as far as right now, you know, now with, you know, kind of coming out of pandemic, I found it's, it's even a trickier time. So, you know, some, depending on where you are in the country, you know, kids might've had some sort of hybrid schedule or um, been totally online. Um, and so kids might be even rustier than normal um, that, that they are with some of these, you know, relational skills and healthy friendship skills. We've had a little bit of a break and a setback, and they're also, you know, spending a lot more time on their screens. So I think just being aware of that, that there is a gap there that and a lot of kids are, you know, getting thrown back into an in-person school situation, which is wonderful. You know, if, if that's a situation that works for them in-person full-time school, that's, you know, great that they're back, but there's, there's probably been a lot of changes that have happened over the course of the past year. You know, I think about, you know, my girls, you know, they've had two birthdays now in this, you know, pandemic and they're really different people, you know, so what they started, you know, at ages 11, you know, now they're 13. That's a big shift. I think about who they are as people and what they've learned about themselves and what they're looking for in relationships. So, so even you know, this is always a time of change for kids in relationships, but it might be even more so just giving you know the state of the world. And you reminded me that we need all of us need to be reminded that real relationships take time. Mm-hmm. It's not this, yes, we might might feel connected to somebody right away, yet how do we like really know we can trust somebody, you need a base and it takes time and allow yourself to have that time. And you have the right, like you referred to earlier about setting boundaries. That's part of consent of this is what I feel comfortable with. I don't need to see my friend, this new friend every day. And I don't need to text right away. We're allowed to pause. It takes time and to allow yourself to have that time. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of levels of friendship, you know, so in the book, I've got something I call the friendship pyramid. So and the very tip of the pyramid is small. And that's our close friends. And those are the ones that are hard to find. And they're they're pretty unique. Like we do feel there are a lot of safety and trust in those relationships. And we can really share parts of ourselves that we probably wouldn't with the next level down, which is friends. So in our, you know, in our friends category, you know, it's our neighbors and our teammates and our classmates. And, you know, these, these relationships are 
good and fun, but may, they might not feel that safety and trust that we do with our close friends. You know, so we think about, you know, these, I, I really like these people, but they're not the people that I might share my crush with, you know, so I might keep some things private because we just haven't built that level of trust. And then you know, at the base of the pyramid is acquaintances, which is huge. You know, so the acquaintances are people we see, you know, in school or around town, we don't know them well, but there's so many possible new friends there. So I like to remind kids that, you know, if, if, if there's a shift and, and, a, and a friendship group doesn't feel like a right fit anymore, you know, there's, there's other possibilities out there, you know, so, so keep your eye out for, for new friendships um, that are, you know, just acquaintances now or people you haven't even met yet. Excellent. Now, if people want to contact you and perhaps even find out more about your friendship program, how can they reach you, Jessica? So the easiest w- place for people to find me is my website, which is Jessica Spear, S-P-E-E-R.com. And that has links to a lot of resources, articles I've written, my books, as well as links out to all my social media so we can connect on social media as well. Excellent. Because I see I'm on your page right now and you can subscribe for this newsletter, this e-newsletter, and you're even offering a starting guide for cultivating family connection and conversation over dinner, which is wonderful. So I'm sure there's some conversation starters on that. If I'm yes, correct. for sure. Absolutely. I'm a big, I'm a big advocate for, you know, family dinners and using that as a time to, you know, connect and, and, and share things as a family. And what I'll do, Jessica, is I'll make sure that in the description of today's episode, your name will be there as well as a link to your site so people can reach out to you. And like I said, join up for her e-newsletter. It seems like there's a lot of positive tools and recommendations there for how to help young people have happy and healthy relationships. Jessica, I thank you so much for being here today. It's so nice to talk with somebody else that understands relationships, that this communication aspect is needed for healthy relationships, and that relationships are important, including to these preteens and teens that are in our lives. And as a reminder, if you like having talks with people, check out the Talk Puberty app, as well as the Talk Before Sex app. Those apps are available to help caregivers and actually even people in relationships to talk about topics that they're not sure how to approach. So it's really nice to go to the app and pull it up and go, Hey, check this out. And what do you think about these questions? And how would you answer these questions? It's a great tool to start and continue conversations. Jessica, I thank you so much for being here today. Would you like to say any last words to our audience? Oh, just thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved chatting with you. And I love that we both find the importance of this, you know, and, and these preteen and teen years are really a training ground for future healthy relationships. So, you know, keeping that as mine as, as parents and caregivers that, you know, kids are learning really important skills. And of course, there's going to be ups and downs, but you know, what they're learning is going to, you know, end up shaping who they are and hopefully a life filled with really healthy relationships. Well, thank you again. And thank you to our listeners. Again, if you'd like to know more about today's guest, Jessica Spear, you can go to her website, Jessica, J-E-S-S-I-C-A, Spear, S-P-E-E-R.com. Thank you for listening and being supporters of the Puberty Prof Podcast. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast. 
where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.